to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network, and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Live in the Cardinal Sports Center studio, doing something a little different today. We'll be watching along with the Vault live from the Vault, the 2018 Oklahoma State game uh, with Texas Tech featured, the Demarcus Felton game, as some would call it. Uh, we'll be talking a little Alan Bowman. We'll be talking a little current news as well. By the way, the summer sidewalk sale for Cardinals is coming up in July, the largest one ever. According to Cardinals, here we go with the paddles already. Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm good. Welcome in everybody to an episode of Emaw Nation. <laughs> is that what this is? That's what uh, Mr. Root says it is. Hold on. We'll really make it Emaw Nation. For those on YouTube, I'm wearing my back-to-back-to-back bowls Kansas State had. They went to the Copper Bowl in 93. Aloha Bowl in 94, Holiday Bowl in 95. Big deal at the time. We're talking what once was the literal worst high major Division I college football program of all time. And then Bill Snyder, of course, got it rolling. Bill Snyder, the legend. All right, so I don't know exactly how this will go. We might talk about the game quite a bit. We might just do a regular podcast. Um, If you want to listen to our Big 12 tour, that will continue on the Republic of Football feed. I believe this will stay on YouTube. Um, It'll be a little weird just to listen to us watching a game, I think. It might end up over there. We'll we'll see. We'll uh, kick off with Clayton Hatfield, though. What a a career he could have had if he wasn't hurt for a season. Yeah, that 2017 season with Nick Shimanex as a quarterback, I feel like we could have won nine games had Hatfield not gotten hurt. I mean, a lot would have had to go right, but, um, yeah, he was a good kicker. And what I remember about this game, 2018 Oklahoma State, they were ranked number 12. They've got this dude, Corndog, and I remember thinking, like, you know, the storyline around him was that he was this fifth-year walk-on, waited his turn behind Mason Rudolph, blah, blah, blah. And this was a cliff team, so I was like, he's going to torch us, and, like, we're going to wake up tomorrow, and he's going to be the in the running for the Heisman, you know, I just saw that so many times as a tech fan during this era. And then on our side, Alan Bowman was a true freshman making his first start on the road of his career. And I just thought there's no way. And I was, I was dejected because the entirety of this rivalry, Texas tech versus Oklahoma state, we had never trailed the all-time series. It had been tied, but we had never trailed it. And we were tied going into this game. And I thought there's no way we're going to, hold serve and justice Hill gashed us for 40 yards right here on their first or second drive. Um, and so I, I, I had no confidence that we we're going to win this game. Got absolutely smoked by Ole Miss to start the season. Yes. They I think they scored on like the first or second play of the game of the season. And I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a really, really long year. It turned into one, but not quite as long as I thought it would be. Yeah. Started 
five and two, and then I think dropped your last five of the season. So brutal. Spoiler alert: If you don't know who wins this game, <laughs> you can't. You can't spoil something five years later. Wouldn't start with the loss on this series. Yeah, so we're watching a an hour and fifteen minute version of this game, so it's going to skip some like dead weight possessions and commercial breaks and reviews and all that. So it'll kind of jump a little bit, but it should flow nicely. I will say, going into this game as well, I remember the thought of. Uh, could Bowman be the first quarterback in Stillwater to win from Texas Tech since his coach, Cliff Kingsbury? That was another storyline because Cliff won in Stillwater, and then you hadn't won in Stillwater since. Yeah, because they had also beaten you nine times in a row straight up. So 09 to 2017. So Harold didn't win there in 07. Hodges didn't win there in 05. And Simmons didn't in 03. That, I never connected those dots before, but that is an insane stat. Yep, so it was in Stillwater. It was Cliff to Bowman. So we haven't won in Stillwater without Cliff since the 90s? <laughs> yeah. Did you did you win in the 90s? I guess you did. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to double-check that, honestly, because yeah. you weren't in the Big 12 with him until 96. Yeah. And so you maybe had three trips to Stillwater before Cliff was the quarterback, and there's no guarantee you won any of those. I mean, they weren't very good in the 90s, but neither were you. So, man, that's a – that's an insane tidbit. This is also a year after uh, Cliff should have been fired, and you win in Texas with uh, Shimanek. Then you get torched in your bowl game by a running back, a quarterback. What was his name? Flowers? Yeah, I think so. And uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He was on that USF team? I think so. <laughs> I did not remember that at all. I'm going to double-check myself there. There's also some uh, recent news going on. You want to get into some transfer portal additions? Yeah, so Oklahoma State just scored in the rewatcher up 7-0 halfway through the first quarter. And at this point watching this, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, here we go. Um, But, yeah, some portal news. I guess let's start with baseball because that season just ended. Um, A lot of guys have hit the portal to leave the program, which I think was expected. And – I think you also had a couple spots that would have made sense for you to go portaling and add some guys that you think can play right away. And I think you've got at least your first one here with Cade McGee. He's a transfer from Gonzaga. Um, Was primarily a third baseman this past season, but he was injured for more than half of the year, I think. Season before that, he was a freshman All-American newcomer of the year to the West Coast Conference at shortstop, but he's also DH'd for the Bulldogs. He's played second base, and he actually has three starts as a pitcher and came in in relief against Texas Tech this season when you played them the first series of the year. So I'm getting Kurt Wilson vibes. And nobody, you can't expect anybody to be as clutch as Kurt Wilson was, but the culture under Tadlock has always been if you can hit, we'll find somewhere for you to stand. And this seems like a guy that can stand in multiple different places and a pretty good hitter from his freshman year at Gonzaga. So uh, as long as some of that translates with a little bit of development, I think this could be another guy that hits 300-plus for you. And maybe he's kind of the Hudson White replacement because I envision him as sort of a utility guy next year slash DH. Um, maybe that's what this guy is because looking at other middle infielders, I think you feel good about Tracer Lopez, about Will Burns. 
So I'm not exactly sure how all this is going to shake out, but you've at least got one name coming in, and I don't think they're going to take guys like this out of the portal if they don't think they're going to be contributors. So I'm expecting them to at least be in the mix next year. Bowman's first near interception there in the game, if you were watching. You know, he's always been so good at throwing to the sideline with that arm strength. You know, he had a play against Lamar. What a dot you know, there, though. The game before this or whatever. Um you might you might remember this play, but you beat Lamar seventy seven to zero, I think, if I recall correctly. Yes. Um, but he threw one to the sideline to Antoine Wesley, and it was a little bit low. It he didn't have enough zip on it, and it an FBS corner was taking that back the other way for six. Instead, the guy whiffed. Bowman kind of or uh, Wesley kind of snatches it up off the turf, and he takes it to the house the other way. And so that was one of those plays I was kind of in denial. I was like, sweet, you know, sixty yard touchdown, but. In the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, that's six the other way against a good corner. You dropped uh, to J.D. and Hyde right after that, though. Yeah, I mean, he, he made some – he's an accurate guy. Like, he had he had great touch. That's never been the knock on him. But if he's, not, if he's not working with a totally clean pocket and he needs to put zip on it, that's not the kind of throw that he's capable of making consistently. When looked up, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Three catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown against Texas Tech. <laughs> That is awesome. In the bowl game. I think, if I recall correctly, we get creative down here. We couldn't score, you know, because we can't just, like, run the ball inside the five. I think we put true freshman Kashawn Carter in motion, like a speed sweep. I think that's how we punch it in here now that we're inside the 10. That might have been our second touchdown of the game, though. The other one, we sent, like, four receivers on one side of the formation. Had either Vash or Wesley on the other side and just threw a fade route. So one of those two scores is about to come up, I think. So just inside the 20, that was – is that Daquan Bowman, number eight? I think so. Man, I completely forgot about him. See, this is our red zone offense. We're trying to run like this fake reverse crap. Henry, because he did it against Houston. He did it against Houston. He thought he could do it all year. For four yards. Like, we, we just couldn't punch it in. So you had to get so creative. Oh, man, cut that up sooner. Yeah, he's got a wall of blockers there when he's just going straight to the sideline. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sir Roderick Thompson's on the sideline because he redshirted him. I think that he played this game, but this was his last game. Okay, yeah, so you had four receivers up top there on the boundary side, and then to the field you had Vasher with like 30 yards of open space, and you throw him a fade. So hey, the, don't cover the single-covered uh, Vasher on a fade. Yeah. They're not going to throw it to him. <laughs> it's a quirky formation, though, because you're all the way on the left hash – the O-line has half-foot splits, and you've got four receivers all bunched up by the sideline, and Vasher's just all alone up there on the other side of the field. That's Cliff, man. So, yeah, the Kashawn Carter touchdown is, I think, our, maybe our next one. Um, wh- what do you think about Cade McGee from Gonzaga? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. He was listed as a uh, shortstop. I, I think he played a lot of third base there at Gonzaga, you said, but played around the diamond. Um, if he comes in and is the third baseman and Travis Sanders plays in the outfield or somewhere else, um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And just to have depth, if he's going to come in and just provide depth, then, yeah, absolutely you love it. Um, I like guys who play multiple positions, um, especially if they're up the middle. If defensively he is sound and has the bat as well, and he plays second base and one of your – Two other freshmen, Will Burns or Tracer Lopez, stays at shortstop. Yeah. I like it. I like the depth. I like the depth piece. 
I, I think it's further evidence that that means Kevin Bazell is going to be your main catcher next year, and that's why you added another infielder. Um, I, I would say most guys that can start at shortstop, you can move to second or third base. And so whether this kid plays third base in place of Kevin Bazell or you scoot Lopez or Burns over, um, and then like you've alluded to, I think Travis Sanders was projected to be a third baseman here. So I think this gives you options and it allows you to move Bazell to catcher without having to maybe panic about being thin at some of the other infield spots. Yeah. And even if, you know, if you could play maybe somebody in center field, uh, depending on the athleticism, but I'm excited uh, as, as always, I've been excited about the roster. I'm excited uh, to see what happens next there. And there's a lot of movement uh, to be had on the roster still, I think. And if not in and out, then around the horn. I I think a lot of guys could be playing in new positions except for maybe Gavin Cash. Yeah, I think Austin Green is a candidate to go to DH, which would free up another spot in the infield because Vuletic, Coleman, and Hudson White were basically rotating at DH to finish the season. All of them are gone. So I think that's a move that would also make sense to me. How about in this game, Adrian Fry wearing number 20, true freshman. He was on his way to a freshman All-American campaign. I think he has a pick later in this game. And because of COVID, he got to play, I guess, six seasons. I'm trying to tell the Discord we're on Twitch now. Oh, you already did. Or he played five seasons. Sorry, 18, to, 18 through 22. Yeah, and he was an old man by the time he was done, but wanted to come back for Joey and the club. Felt strongly enough about it in his last couple of weeks there with Joey even not even on the field, just on the sidelines. Mike oh, yeah. pointing the wrong way on the penalty. Classic. What's your favorite Mike Defee moment? Oh, I none of them. My favorite was in Tucson in 2019. Right before the half, Douglas Coleman picks off Khalil Tate. And, you know, he's like flaunting it a little bit. Nothing crazy at all. But he's he starts like walking back to the Texas Tech sideline because the interception occurred on the opposite side of the field. And as he's like jogging off the field to our sideline, Defee gets in his way and like puts hands on him. And because Douglas Coleman, I guess, doesn't engage him the way that Defeat wants to be engaged and, like, doesn't want to talk to him, he just wants to keep moving to the sideline, he throws a flag and calls him for unsportsmanlike conduct. So he he creates a situation, he escalates it, and then he flags the kid for, you know, not wanting to be in an escalating situation with the referee and just go to his sideline, which is exactly what your coach should do. Like, make the play, get off the field. It, it was the dumbest 15-yard penalty. I think it put him – it put Arizona back in field goal range right before the half. And not that they needed any help to win that game, but I was like, that is the most absurd ref show thing I've seen in a, in a college football game involving Texas tech. I totally forgot about that. Brutal. Eli Howard here. I'm trying to remember names. Eli Howard backfield. I guess that's Broderick Washington. Yeah. Dakota Allen. Gordon. Yeah, I think he was at Rice transfer. And I think he misses this field goal. 
if I remember right. Yeah, 17 straight made field goals. They jinx him. And wide left. Okay, he made that one. He misses next time then. I'm pretty sure. Because I remember them making a big deal about his consecutive streak, and I think that they like do an announcer jinx on him later in the game. (laughs) Um, we also had some movement outside the portal to other schools. Uh, I think Cade McGar is going to ACU, uh, Dax Dathy going to, um, Angelo state go Rams. Mr. Root says, I liked Mike Defee flexing on all his calls. It's <laughs> the face. It's like hands in the face. Wearing his medium shirt. Skip the head to two minutes left in the first quarter. 532 yards a game. Wow. Right behind Baylor. Second most in FBS since 2013. And doing absolutely nothing with it. Nothing. Man, Demarcus Felton, I I always thought he should have been run more like uh, just between the tackles. Yeah, so who are the other backs on this team? You had Sir Roderick Thompson for the first four games to John Henry. Did you have um oh Dalion Ward? Is that his name? No. Was it not Justin Stockton still, or did he graduate in 2016? No, 17 was his last year. 17. Trey okay. King, that's right. Oh, Trey King. I got a comment. He was and did you have Desmond Nis- Nisby? No, he was 17. I think he was one and done. It's crazy to me that you were this good at outside receiver. That you have basically two NFL guys, and on the inside you have two walk-ons at playing slot. Especially with like what you did with Jonathan Giles, Kiki QT, Jakeem Grant in the years leading up to this. How did you not have a a slot receiver that was like a four-star kid that wanted to come catch for twelve hundred yards? With how many wide receivers you recruited? Yeah. The RPO and early adopter. Is that Zach Austin? Yeah. What a kid. Um, the, so the basketball team went portaling as well. I think they're close to full. And for a while there, I'm sure you remember the, the panic of we don't have a coaching staff, we don't have a roster, what are we doing? Did we hire the wrong guy? There's a sweep to Kishon Carter. Cuts it up from the nine. Oh, he didn't score on it. I misremembered that. Still I think he just took it to about the one-yard line, and I forget how we punch it in. Oh, I think Sir Roderick runs one in, actually. That would make sense. But I think it's after the quarter break. It's on the other end of the field. Did you know Sir Roderick Thompson has a nose for the end zone? I, I have heard that, yes. And he was the lead blocker right there. Lower in the boom. Paul Stay Wars, Travis Bruffy, Killian in at fullback. This was this was bearded Kingsbury. Do you remember that phase? Oh yeah. I think he said like, "Oh yeah, I won't shave till we lose." Then we lost. <laughs> yeah, lost to West Virginia, I think. Oh man, that's when uh, Alan Bowman exploded his lung. Yeah. 
So it's 10-7 at the end of the first quarter. We just flipped into the field, but Texas Tech is threatening at about the two-yard line. Oh, uh, Terrence Steele was also – you had good tackles at this juncture. Terrence Steele and Travis Bruffy, I don't think you've had that good of a pairing probably since. State Wars was a good center. This is a good offensive line. Madison Akamano. I mean, this is a pretty good team overall. Oh, they did it again. So, okay, it was Kishon Carter. It just wasn't on the play that I was – they motioned him into the backfield and handed it off. So, yeah, like, but well, what are we doing? We had to run two kind of sweeps with a freshman slot receiver that weighs a buck 50 because we can't, we can't move bodies to punch it in from the one. They just refused to. I always thought they could have. I, I wanted to run the ball more this year. Yeah, I mean, I think they – yeah, who knows. I mean, they had been. They had been running the ball. Oh, there's old Brandon Jones. Yeah. Old line coach. You know where he is now? He, he got, I think, let go from Houston. He did. I don't know where he landed. Yeah, I'm not sure. All right, it's 14-10 good guys. One play into the second quarter in Stillwater back in 2018. We'll keep you posted with the latest. Okay, so the basketball team, like I alluded to, they get an Arizona State transfer, Devin Cambridge, from what I can tell based on kind of the scouting reports out there, very athletic wing. Don't think he's great at any one thing, like wasn't a tremendous scorer, not a dead-eye shooter from deep or anything like that, but a six-six dude that is an athlete, can move. I, I'm sure he's kind of the perfect mold for a defender that McCaslin wants. You know, he sees that size and length and athleticism and says, yeah, we can make you a defender. And I don't know if he was a plus defender at Arizona State or not. Uh, we need to do a little bit more research on that. But he seems like the profile of the guy that McCaslin looks at and says, yeah, you can be a cog in this defense for sure. Yeah, and it really does feel like they're trying to go from two to four, six, six to six, eight, and just flood the floor with length, which is what you did when you were successful here. But in the rosters where you got away from that defensively, you just weren't as good. So hopefully that speaks to uh, an understanding of the no middle defense and you're kind of going to pick up where you left off. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways, just from like a 30,000-foot perspective, that's a good strategy for winning at college basketball. Like the really good rosters are going to have skilled dudes that belong in the NBA or whatever. But 95% of rosters don't have a guy that – can like reliably create his own shot, make his own shot. And so even if your guys aren't that great at the offensive end of the floor, if you've got four dudes that can switch everything and play really good athletic defense, rebound the ball, I mean, you can – it might not be the prettiest style, but I think Mark Adams showed, you know, like Adonis Arms wasn't a great offensive basketball player. Um, I think TJ Shannon was playing hurt that year. McCullough didn't score a ton. But you put all three of those guys out at the same time, it's like good luck scoring against us. So we don't need to average, you know, one and a quarter points per possession. Um, so anyway, I think that, yeah, I think that fits the mold that McCaslin was looking for. He's obviously a defensive first head coach. And you sort of have this pipeline now from Tempe to Lubbock because you had Warren Washington. I think he's going to be your primary big man. He's one of the few guys that's, you know, above that 6'6 height. He's 6'10". And I would imagine he gets probably 80% of the minutes at the five spot. And then you just kind of spell him with, um, I guess, by necessity, it'll be smaller bodies. 
So anyway, they were they weren't a great team last year, but they were a tournament squad. I think they were in the playing game or the first four in as kind of like one of those eleven seeds. So I think the two of them together, you know, they can be they're experienced guys at this level that can for a first year roster that you're kind of piecing together. Um, I don't think those are two bad additions at all out of Tempe. No, I'm not upset about it. It's not like you went and got the whole team. It's just right. two players. And it seems like they have a good relationship, which helps on the basketball court. I mean, if you're if you're building chemistry from scratch, you bring in two guys who are buddies, that seems to be a, kind of a Kickstarter. Yeah, and another thing that I think is prevalent in modern college basketball is this um, stay old kind of philosophy. Yeah. And you have a pretty old roster at this point. Like you, you lose Elijah Fisher who reclassified to get here as a true freshman. Um, trying to think who else. And you kept a couple of the freshmen, which is a good thing. I think Jennings, Lamar Washington and Pop Isaacs can develop, but you had guys that have played a couple years at this level and you keep dudes like Demarion Williams I don't know, it feels like I, – I guess I'd have to look at it, but it feels like you have a pretty old roster, especially compared to last season when I think you had five true freshmen on the roster. And then, you know, Jalen Tyson, a redshirt freshman, getting his first playing time. So you went from, I think, a lot of young dudes that you were counting on to now guys that have at least have one season under the belt, if not several. And I think a few of the dudes that you've added in the portal are kind of like last year of eligibility type guys. Yeah. So I think you're pretty old now. Well, you know – Robert Jennings didn't play a ton last year, but Pop Isaacs and Lamar Washington played a bunch of minutes. So, I mean, those are two old sophomores. And then Robert Jennings, you know, grown-ass man, I think fits physically. Man, the run defense back in the game, just atrocious. Yeah, Justice Hill just carved us up, capping a 47-second scoring drive. And then Tylen Wallace uh, – just unfair on the sideline. That guy was so good. He was good. He had an elite push-off move. Yeah. <laughs> Bowman, 15 of 19 to start the game. We're, what, 18 minutes in? 19 minutes into this contest, and he's thrown it that many times. Um, Roderick running the damn ball? Oh, no, that's yeah. So we're, we're down 17-14 now with 10 and a half left in the second quarter. I don't think Oklahoma State scores again, though. In the half? <laughs> in the game. I think I think you won this game 41 to 17. Wow. So I mean I guess we'll see. I I just put out 2018 from my mind, I guess. I don't remember this game much at all. Oh, I remember. I remember I was like in denial and then oh what a catch. Who's 22? <laughs> um Seth Collins? Man, good pull. Seth Collins, Oregon State quarterback. You brought him here as a receiver, and then I think he wound up playing safety in, like, the Wells era. He he was on the roster at safety, but he never played because he got hurt. Well, and he's he's for sure Dr. Collins. He was in college for, like, seven seasons. Oh, yeah. He, he might have made it all the way to COVID. I can't remember. Or maybe 2019 was, like, his last. Because if he had made it to COVID, he would have gotten 2021 because everybody was eligible to come back after COVID. Look at those moves. He's trying to throw another pick. <laughs> That's got to be holding. Here's Defee with the Schmedium. I have no clue what he's calling here. 
but yeah, I remember being in denial this game. Like even when you took the lead and into the third quarter, you know, I'm just like waiting for you to find a way to blow it. Nobody open. I think that spin move to get out of that sack from Bowman was perhaps the most athletic play we saw him make in Lubbock. <laughs> and I'm not even being facetious. Like he actually eluded a potential sack there. Like Tony Romo. <laughs> Man, I always expected more from Daquan Bowman. I I don't know that we ever got peak Daquan Bowman. Yeah, you brought him and Derek Willies in at the same time, and Bowman was supposed to play in the slot, and Willie's supposed to play outside. I thought they would pair really well together. And I think Daquan Bowman was basically like your punt returner, and he got a few snaps on offense, but he never really was terribly productive there. I wonder if that's uh, foreshadowing for the new wide receiver that kind of is in his mold that you bring in this year, Dre McRae. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about Dre McRae. Just, I, I was excited about his recruitment and when we got him. But then things seemed to kind of go quiet during the spring, which isn't necessarily a bad sign. I mean, usually you only hear individual names of like they're really kind of breakout candidates. Like Steve Linton came up a lot. Um, Baskerville, he came up a lot. But, yeah, I was kind of just waiting for those reports out of spring ball that Dre McCray is torching everybody and he's going to be starting in the slot or whatever. We didn't get that yet. doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, Texas Tech driving here with eight minutes left, first and goal. I think Rod is going to take this in off the right side, and then I'll do the Rahino ad read. Okay. <laughs> oh, there he is. There he goes. Woo. How do you remember that? That's a classic Rod touchdown. Like, make a guy miss, cut up. No hair, Sir Roderick. Oh, do they call him down? Oh, Tommy McVeigh back there with the shades. Maybe they went to review on this. Do he made that guy, made a grown man kiss the turf. Oh, yeah, that's a touchdown. I think his knee was like one inch off the turf, and then he dives in. Yeah, this that, should have foreshad- that should have foreshadowed how good of a running back he was going to be. Ooh, look at the bottom of those cleats. Yeah. I still think he's a guy that isn't adequately appreciated because he never got the volume of carries that a DeAndre Washington or someone had. Yeah. Oh, there he goes. Okay. Basically the same play. He runs it in. He scored on the first one, though. They should have given that to him. Man. I'm glad he didn't play all year because you needed him late in his career. Yeah. But I feel like he would have been a difference maker as a true freshman. It's funny to see some of these guys wearing their old jersey numbers. Yeah. Like he was 28 here. And, uh, like, Kiki QT was 82 and then 20 and then 2. He was a different jersey number every year. <laughs> I guess he liked 2. He just wanted to be – he wanted to have a 2 on the jersey somewhere. But when you're a freshman, they're not going to give you a single digit, yeah. you know. So he had to work his way from 82 down to two. He got there. Look at that hairdo. Look at Rod. Baby Rod. I loved him. So this was his true freshman year, probably his first touchdown, unless he scored against Lamar or something. But as a fifth-year senior, whatever he was this past year, every time he scored, it was like a kid scoring for the first time in Pop Warner. Everyone always said that about Brett Favre, made a big deal of his love of the game and everything. I think Sir Robert Thompson played the same way. I loved watching. Like, he won't get the accolades that some of your all-time running backs got, but 
he's one of my personal favorites at that position, and I am going to miss watching him play. I hated our high school special teams in 2018. Yeah, this arm swing thing on the kickoffs was so, so bush league. So bush league. And now it's all closed down. Terrible. All right, let's see some defense stacking up here. <laughs> I think the defense bows up for the next 37 minutes. I don't think they score again. Classic bend, but don't break. we got a missed field goal coming up, you say? Yeah. I do think there's a missed field goal at some point. What are your thoughts on these gray uniforms? I don't – I it's the sweat stain uniforms. Like, anytime a team wears that matte gray kind of look, the sweat gets so amplified in Shot a way down. that just doesn't show up on orange, black, or white. So, I – I'm a proponent of Oklahoma State wearing what they pretty much always wore until the 2000s, which is white, orange, white. I think they should go back to that look. Maybe mix in like a blackout or whatever, but I don't like the gray. And They've screwed up some good – some otherwise good like logos and color schemes with just bad design. Like they've got the affliction collars yep. and affliction sleeves. I think that looks so stupid. The sheriff – yeah, the sheriff looks so bad. Just do the flat OSU. That's the best look they have. All right, fourth and four. We're going to get a punt. We'll get uh, some more Alan Bowman. I did want to talk about Alan Bowman. I think he muffs uh, this and then gets on it. You call your shot here. Okay, here's the punt. Good hang time. No. He caught it clean. We'll see if there's one later in the game. Red Raider royalty, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, and Alan Bowman. I love this graphic. We need to screenshot that. Send it to no context, DC. That's, yeah, that's perfect. Get the timestamp on the YouTube video. And... 22. Yeah. That's hilarious. Just three great... Legendary Red Raiders right there. Hilarious. So before we talk about Alan Bowman, let's talk Rahino Barbecue. We are in the Cardinal Sports Center studio, and as always, the official barbecue joint of the Cardinal Sports Center studio is our friends over at Rahino. They are so Olton is under construction right now. Is that correct, Rob? Yes, they're closed until the new building's open. Okay. So they're yeah, they're getting ready to move into brick and mortar. So give them a follow on social Abrahino BBQ. Stay up to date. They might have the food truck going around, or if not, they'll update on social media as soon as they're back in action. But uh, longtime supporters of the Gauchos, best barbecue in West Texas. Everybody who's tried it can vouch for it. If you're going to be in Lubbock this summer or coming back in the fall, you know people always ask us, hey, what restaurants do we need to go eat at? I haven't been in Lubbock in five or ten years. Where do I need to go? Rahino is the answer. Definitely need to get a plate of the best barbecue in West Texas while you're out here. So thank you to Rahino Barbecue. Give them a follow. If you do go out there, order ahead online, RahinoBBQ.com to make sure your food is there when you arrive because they do run out quick because word has gotten out. So thank you to Rahino Barbecue for their support of the Gambling Gauchos. I thought Alan Bowman had more of an arm than this. I mean, he had a crow hop into that throat of the sideline right there. Arm strength is not his. Thank you, Mr. Root, for the comment. Kyle is an idiot savant. You miss one muff punt call, and they come calling for your head, Rob. It's sad. Hey, I had another um, gambling gauchos recognition today at the pharmacy drive-thru. Oh, yeah? That's where my gauchos hat. 
but it was one of those where he has no idea who we are, but that we have a Twitter account. Yeah. He's like, hey, do you tweet for those guys? <laughs> I was like, oh, sometimes, man. I what is oh I think I told you this I think it was the OU football game, but this guy saw my hat or shirt. I don't remember what I was wearing. And he was like, he goes, Are you the Gamachos? Are you the Gamachos? And I was like, the gauchos, yeah. He was like, I follow you on Twitter. It's like, sweet. <laughs> so yeah, some people or like I do this Kansas State spaces sometime with uh, special teams U, and he calls us the Guachos. Like he gets the U and the A flipped. <laughs> so some people have never heard our intro, otherwise they would know how to say Gauchos. Or you have, uh... oh, what's his name? This calls us the Guchos. Oh, uh. Smiley. Yeah, shout out to Richard Smiley. Richard Smiley Sr. Um, oh, that reminds me too. One of our listeners, I've got a shout out for two of our listeners. I know one of them is going to hear this. The other one, I'm not sure. But if you met my mother-in-law, very tall, former high jumper at a bank in Fort Worth and introduce yourself, uh, DM us on Twitter or email us. I just want to like know who met her because my my mother-in-law texted me and she was like i ran into one of your fans you're so famous i was like no we're not famous uh, but apparently somebody who works at a bank in fort worth my mother-in-law just moved here was like oh like yeah i know i guess she must have been wearing a gaucho shirt or something and so she said she listened or whoever the bank employee was said that they listened and she was like oh yeah that's my son-in-law so anyway if you met kyle's mother-in-law at a bank in fort worth i just want to know who you are because i think that's funny but then, Rob, I went to my first Rangers game a couple weeks ago. And, of course, you and I are going this weekend. But uh, I invited a friend who lives in McKinney. She's a physical therapist. And she has a family friend who is apparently, like, one of our most loyal listeners. Like, every episode start to finish. And I didn't catch her name. But anyway, if you know Chelsea, the physical therapist in McKinney, and you've told her that you're a fan of the Gauchos. I also want to know who you are just for fun. So DM us or email us, gamblinggauchos at gmail.com. Because I, I love stories like that. I love meeting some people that we don't know who listen to us or follow us. And so anyway, um, appreciate people listening and um, sharing with others that they listen. And I, I always get a kick out of that. That is fun. Wearing that out in public, you get recognized every once in a while. They have no idea who I am, but they know the logo. <laughs> Stuffed in the red zone, Clayton Hatfield coming out for another field goal. Not much action for Clayton Hatfield beyond the PATs so far this year. That's good. Four seventeen, good guys. So, how are you feeling at halftime? Twenty four seventeen. I think that, you know, we'll find a way to blow it in the second half. We'll make some adjustments. Our defense will cave. I mean, I I was wrong. I'm Just like Mr. Roof said, I'm an idiot savant. So, I I did not see us just running the table in the second half and running away with it. Well, you just have the, the 44-42 game in your mind, too, or the 44-43 game. Well, yeah, in 2015, I think you were up by 17 on them at one point, and they beat you 70 to 50-something. You know, that was like the typical Mahomes-era game. You have 700 yards of total offense and lose by two or three scores. So, yeah, all that's in the back of my mind. 
And anyway, I thought they would figure it out. And but I do like that we're getting the ball here. We're receiving the opening kickoff in the third quarter. And so maybe I was thinking like, oh, if we score again, then we kind of put some pressure on them. And I don't remember what we did out of the gates here. I will say I remembered Alan Bowman being a bitty, a pretty big part of this game. He's not really factored in yet. Well, remember, they're cutting off some of this, but you're right. Like, he did make some good throws, but a lot of this was running the ball effectively, which wasn't really a hallmark of this year's team. But you ran 42 plays in the first half, 315 yards, so that's a, that's almost right at seven yards a pop. Yeah, it's a bunch of empty yards, though. From Bowman, I mean. Yeah. When you're getting some yaks from these guys, you've hit a couple, like, drag routes, the seam routes over the middle, and your slot receivers are getting some yaks. So here goes DeMarcus Felton. He's about to have a monster second half. First play of the second half, he goes for 22 yards, and we're basically already at midfield here. I think I think the second half, like, this is basically the story of it. You figured out you can run the ball on them. And so, yeah, you just don't need a ton from Bowman here. I think this is the same play the other way, 15 more yards, and now we're inside the 40. Yeah, who'd have thunk, Cliff? You can run the damn ball with this offense, yeah. and then he forgets. They don't do it again all year. DeMarcus Felton doesn't have another game. Yeah. Yeah, you thought this was like a breakout game. Okay, this is the recipe for success, and you don't do this again. And I have a hard time believing that this – so this Oklahoma State team, if I recall correctly, they were pretty good. You know, they weren't one of their, like, 10-win teams, but I think they won eight games. So they weren't some slouch. Like, I, I doubt that their defensive line was just a pushover compared to the rest of the conference this year. But for, for whatever reason, um, you ran it all over them and then didn't really seem to do it again the rest of the season. This is a 15th-ranked Oklahoma State, by the way. Yeah, I think they were 12th in another poll. 26-4 and four when leading at halftime. I wouldn't have guessed that could have been a record. Didn't he have, like, two wins when trailing at the half in six years? Yeah. With, like, a high-powered offense where, you, you know, if you go into half down three or four or seven, you would think, okay, we're not out of it. But we were, apparently. We were. And I hated that stat at the time because I'm like, well, yeah, if you're losing at half one – you're probably not the better team, but two, you're working from a deficit. So, like, you're not supposed to win a lot when you're losing at halftime. But I think we lost, like, an astronomical amount compared to how often you, quote-unquote, should lose when trailing at the half. All right, so who starts more games this year, Alan Bowman or Tyler Shuck? Good prop. I would say Shuck. I mean, I I have no way to reasonably gauge the risk of injury just because that can be a fluke deal. Like a collapsed lung is a fluke deal. Um, I don't think Shuck is going to re-injure his titanium plate shoulder. Here goes Felton breaking tackles. Get off me. Spin move. Touchdown. It's about to be 31-17. Get off me. There was a picture – he might have another one in the fourth quarter, but there's a really cool picture. It's taken from the end zone back toward all the players. And Felton is, like, breaking away. All these Oklahoma State defenders chasing him, and Bowman's in the background, you know, signaling touchdown. He's, like, midair because he was jumping. 
it might be we might be able to see from this angle if that was what that shot is from. I bet it was the way Bowman turned. I think he saw him break free signal touchdown. There's a great still image of that. Let's see if I can find that on Google, but it was a great shot. What do you think about Oklahoma State's 1945 national champions sign down there in the end zone? They won it, man. No, they didn't. It was retroactive. It was one of those in like 2016 or 2017. They were like, oh, this new computer ran the numbers and Oklahoma State was actually the national champ and they just ran with it. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that kind of stuff. I looked it up and like there were there was another undefeated team and it was like Alabama or somebody that had the better schedule. They both went undefeated. Like I don't think they have a legitimate case, but it, I guess it's it's recognized officially by the NCAA or whatever. So, I mean, if if Tech had one of those, I'd want it up. I guess. Would you not? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. We don't. He go. I'll get a – I'd rather get a legitimate one in 2020-something than – Oh, yeah. I mean, if that's the choice, yeah. you want a retroactive 1954 or a 2025, I'll, I'll take the 25. I would settle for some border conference recognition. I feel like nobody acknowledges that you played football before the Southwest Conference. You're the only one that wants border conference recognition. That was a good throw. Yeah, I, I might be. Oh, Corn Crowd Border Conference, remember? McCleskey. McCleskey, he was good too. Yeah, so they're not going to score here, I don't think. Maybe they got to 24 and it was 41 24, but maybe this is the missed field goal coming up. I kind of thought they didn't score more than 17. Slim Simp says miss field goal coming up. But, yeah, so to go back to your question about Shuck and Bowman, I think it's more likely that Bowman loses his job due to performance because they have an offensive coordinator that their fans are a little bit fed up with, Casey Dunn. A little bit. Yeah, a lot of bit fed up with. He's losing a four-year starter at quarterback that people rag on Spencer Sanders. His last two years there, when healthy, were really good. I can't remember who it was today, but they were trying to compare Bowman to Sanders. I'm like, they're not – Sanders is, like, levels better than Alan Bowman, in my opinion. So, anyway, I think the offensive coordinator is under pressure to produce. I think when the lights come on and Bowman is in game action, if it's anything like what we saw in 2019 and 2020, I think it's more likely he gets replaced due to performance and they give – Gundy or Rangel a shot at some point in the middle of the season than it is Shuck getting benched in favor of Morton midseason due to performance. So because I'm not in the business of predicting injury, I think it's more likely Bowman gets replaced due to performance than Shuck. And so I I would say for that reason, plus maybe the injury concerns, I would I would say Shuck starts more games if you gave me that prop bet at even money. All right, I think we have about 45 minutes left of the game. You want to do an extended mailbag? Well, we can keep previewing Oklahoma State if you want, because apparently nobody 
in the media covers Oklahoma State, the team that has had more success than just about anybody in the remaining Big 12, shanked it. Shank. 18 in a row down the drain. Who's the idiot savant now? Yeah, take that, Mr. Root. Um, Did you know Oklahoma State had a run of like – they had three kickers in a row from my high school or something like that? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you one of them? No. Who did they have? Um, what was his name? One of them, his last name was Putnam. Okay. One of them, his last name escapes me. I think it was Matt something. Maybe it was just two, but we had Matt. multiple kickers go to. Matt Amendola? No, no. It was like early 2000s. It was way before oh, this. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, like we reached out to, I don't know, at least three people that we thought covered Oklahoma State. Didn't even get a no from some of them. They just like don't respond. It's like, hey, do you want to talk Oklahoma State, new Big 12? We're doing this Big 12 road tour. Can't get anybody to come on the podcast from Oklahoma State. I don't I don't get it. It's what it is, man. So uh, we'll preview them ourselves, I guess. So defensively, I think they're gonna be actually pretty good. Uh two the two past defensive freshmen of the year still on the roster. Uh, kind of shifting positions a little bit. I think one of them's going to move down to linebacker. One of them's moving down to defensive end, um, or however it is. One of them's still playing safety, but it's that down by the line of scrimmage safety they have. Uh, everybody runs the three cloud now. There's Tejon running backwards. Yeah, these these splits are freaking me out. Got like one foot splits out there. <laughs> Cliff, man. Um, but they also, you know, got it. They went portaling hard. They got some guys in, um, even though he hates the transfer portal, allegedly. He just hates when they leave. Um, I don't know. I, I think Oklahoma State might be better than I think they're going to be. Well, all their portal guys, I don't, I don't want to say all, but a bunch of their portal guys are from like significantly lower levels. And actually, that started their defensive coordinator, correct me if I'm wrong, was at Division – Two last year, yeah, like not FCS, not group of five, not low level staff at a power five. I think they called him up from some like division two school in Illinois or New York. I mean, this is like an out of nowhere hire. I, I can't remember his name, but it was, that was kind of a big, big deal in the news cycle just because everybody had the same. I was like, you know, who is this guy? Bowman sacked on third and 12, pocket presence lack of mobility, I think those are things that probably still linger there. Still linger, huh? So they, so Oklahoma State, they lose a four-year starter at quarterback, Spencer Sanders. Throw it away. They lose Dominic Richardson to an in-conference rival. He was their leading rusher with 543 yards last year. 3.6 a pop. And their next best guy, Spencer Sanders, 391 yards, 3.7 a pop. They weren't good at running the football last year, apparently. Ollie Gordon had five a pop. Jaden Nixon, 46 carries, 181 yards, 3.9 a pop. They weren't good at running the ball. Muff punt. Do what? Muff punt. Okay, they muffed it, I guess. Sorry, Mr. Root. My memory isn't perfect from – I knew we recovered the muff punt. I just couldn't remember who muffed it. Um, 
And I think they lost their best offensive lineman. Like, I think their starting left tackle left. I can't remember his name either. Brennan Presley, they, so they do get their leading receiver back. That's that's a big deal. Bryson Green, I think he's still on the roster. He, he was an explosive guy, 16 yards per reception. Didn't have huge volume last year, but if he takes a step, they could have a they, they could have a good receiver room. I'll give him that. Uh, and that's what they do. Yeah, and, and that's where like if Bowman plays within himself and can take care of the ball, like they might have the pieces at receiver that that they they might have a good passing offense. Um, but like I don't know much about their O line. I know they had a big departure there. I don't know if they did anything to replace that. So. Yeah, I'm definitely more bullish on the defense than the offense. And people keep saying, well, Gundy's done this before. Like, we we win 10 games, we take a step back, and then we win 10 games again. That has kind of been the pattern under Gundy. But I feel like there was reason for it. Like, I guess I can't get over the quarterback position. Like, it, it's not shocking that Mason Rudolph won 10 games there because he was a highly touted prospect. He was an NFL prospect while he was in college and they had weapons, you know, they had James Washington type guys up and down the roster. Um, but like they didn't have a, a first year defensive coordinator that nobody knew existed. They didn't have a struggling offensive coordinator that their fan base wanted fired. They didn't have Alan Bowman, you know, a guy who was right in the pine the last two years after not beating out Henry Columbia as a starting quarterback. So like in the past, I feel like there were warning signs where you can say, okay, like if, if these two or three things go right, they could have a 10-win season. But I'm struggling to see the path for that this year under the current circumstances. And I don't want to default to lazy thinking and lazy logic. Just go, oh, well, Gundy's still there so they can win 10 games. Gundy's won 10 games there when he had dudes and when they could score a lot. Well, I'm, I'm talking seven games. Yeah, I think they can win seven games, but who cares? Yeah. You know, go from maybe a four-win projection to a seven-win season. Well, who's projecting four wins? Well, that's just how I feel we're talking about them. No, I mean, I think I think six and a half is the Vegas number. I think FPI is around seven. I think that's what they are. I think they're a, a bowl team. Six and six, seven and five. I, But, like, some people have picked them in the top three of the conference. I don't think that's going to happen. You had a, I think a CBS or a twenty four seven writer. No, he was Big Twelve Radio. Said that Alan Bowman would be Offensive Player of the Year in this conference. Yeah, there's no way. Like I'll, I'll eat crow if that happens, but I don't see that as a possibility. It doesn't track. No. So I think there are some projections out there. Our friend Robbie Triano has him at number three in the conference in his preseason poll. And I told him, I said, respectfully, this is crazy. And maybe he's right. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think you and I put him in the middle. Another brutal sack by Alan Bowman. Sacked on third and goal. But we, we just need three here. We don't need to get too crazy. Make it a three-possession game. Was that – so Terrence Steele was your right tackle. Travis Bruffy was your left tackle. Yeah. Somebody got beat straight up the middle. That's Jack Anderson, your freshman All-American. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's tough. We used to call that a, a lookout block. Yeah. Ole. Guy runs right past you. Look out. Ole. It happens, even to really good freshmen. 
Clayton Hatfield right down the pipe. And now it's a three-possession game late in the third quarter, and I'm thinking, okay, like hold on to your butts. We might do this. Yeah, yeah sure. Oklahoma State's going to make a charge. You think that, yeah, at, at the time when you're watching it. That's a beautiful graphic. Cliff Kingsbury 0-5 versus Oklahoma State. Thank you for that. He was at least competitive with Oklahoma State. Tuberville got destroyed by Oklahoma State. Everybody remembers that 69-0 game or whatever the heck it was. But you went right back in 2012 and they kicked your ass. And then Cliff started playing them close at least in 2013 and beyond. In fact, I think pretty much every game Cliff played against Oklahoma State was relatively competitive. That's a relative term, I guess. Yeah, there might have been one. Like, I'm not saying they were all one-possession games, but you were done losing by 50, that's for sure. Look that up. And, man, they had some bad teams that beat you. Like 2014, when their quarterback was Dax Garman, I think. And you went up to Stillwater with Davis Webb, and you know he was slinging the rock to Reginald Davis, Bradley Marquez, and you couldn't beat him. But both both teams were bad that year. I think they were both like four or five win teams. How about Joe Wallace? You remember him? Joe Wallace, the national champion. Joe Wallace. Did Did he get one at SFA? Uh, Sam Houston State. Yeah. He was good. He had a lot of potential. I think he was a little bit of a knucklehead. Yeah, that was uh, Matt Wells' first uh, meeting. Uh, he quit after the first meeting, I think. Man. Because he told him to, I think. Because I, I think he was in the doghouse with Cliff. Yeah. And then, yeah, Wells gets here and, like, you're immediately in the doghouse. It's not a good look. But um, – I had high hopes for him because you were so bad on the defensive line for so many years. I was like, okay, we got some talent in here. He can play, and then it, it doesn't pan out. So that was frustrating. All right. End of the third quarter, we've got him doubled up, 34-17. You want to do a mailbag? See if we can hang on. I do. Uh, do you want to talk any Texas Tech returning production, or do you want to do that next episode? We probably don't have time this episode. Yeah, let's do it next episode. Okay. Or we just do mailbag and then finish this game out? Yeah, let's do it. The mailbag today is double sponsored by our friends at Diversified Lenders and Barnett Howard and Williams. Corn dogs going deep. Adrian Fry picks this off. Go up and get it, young man. Game over. See, if you need that kind of lockdown defense, like what we just saw from Adrian Fry, freshman All American, there's only one name to call, and that's Barnett Howard and Williams. BHWLawFirm.com. You can learn more about them. Three double Texas Tech grads. They can help you with all sorts of things. They hope you never need them, but if uh, you suffer catastrophic injury, criminal defense, Title IX student litigation, workplace injury, you name it, they can help you out. They're people you can trust. Barnett, Howard, and Williams Law Firm, based in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas, bhwlawfirm.com. Great defense there by Adrian Fry. So they skipped ahead to 10 minutes left in the fourth. I think this was the moment when I knew we won. When he picked that off, I was like, yeah, they can't move the ball against us, and we have too big of a lead. Didn't say that much in the uh, Cliff era. Yeah. I think Felton gets one more to make it 41-17, and I think it's game over. And I think the next one is the shot you're talking about. Right Right up Broadway. Yeah, you might be right. 
All right, start bench cut. Eggs Benedict, Scotch Eggs, and Eggs Royale. Hand up. I don't know what any of those three things are. Eggs Benedict is a poached egg on a English muffin with a hollandaise sauce over the top. A scotch egg is a, a soft-boiled egg covered in sausage, breaded, and fried. And I do not know what an Eggs Royale is. I'll start the one you just said, bench the English muffin, cut the other one. I eat my eggs scrambled, so. I'm an egg guy, but these three wouldn't be my top egg choices. Uh, I would start the scotch egg, though. See, I'm also not an egg guy. Oh, man. I'm like the Bubba Gump of eggs. I'll admit it. I'm not a big egg guy. Big egg guy. Uh, favorite soda not under the Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper umbrella? Favorite soda not under the Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper umbrella? I've always liked root beer. I like orange soda. I like grape soda. Um, I actually like a lot of sodas, as long as it's not diet or zero sugar. Like, I want the absolute worst thing for your health version. Did you ever drink Jones soda? Mm-mm. I don't remember that one. This is a glass bottle. You could take your selfie and send it in and get on the box. Did you ever have Pepsi Blue as a kid? No. It was like a limited run. I remember being jacked about Pepsi Blue. No, I think it was I, like a wild berry flavor or whatever. I pretty much just drank Dr. Pepper. Surge yeah. from the comment section. Look, yeah. We're doing like Pistol with Killian or somebody at fullback. And you just never did this again. The Green Apple Jones, yeah. I like the blue one, too. See, that sounds good. Like a green apple. So oh, yeah. We had those uh, – in high school, we had uh, campouts. They were just sleepovers for high school dudes, but we slept in a shed. Slumber parties? Yeah, that's basically what it was. <laughs> we went out in the toilet paper, people. Yeah. Um, we'll answer that question later, but – it's fun times. We drank so- we drank Jones soda. Who is on the Mount Rushmore of Texas music across all genres, from Tejano to the blues, from country to hip hop? I would have to research this. Yeah, let me see here. I would put Bob Wills, Bob Wills, George Strait. Okay. I know you're a George Strait hater. Um, I mean Stevie St- Ray Vaughan, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Paul Wall. Beyonce. Beyonce. So you get four on Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. Uh, since that was just right off the dome, I'll stick with that. Beyonce, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Bob Wills, George Strait. I'll take it. Uh, start, bench, process, cut. T-Rex, Raptor, Triceratops, and Stegosaurus. Look at this run, man. We got a fullback. We're milking the play clock down to two and then snapping it and just running it down their throat. The rest of the year, I just was screaming, run the damn ball. With a true freshman. And his vision was so good for a true freshman. Finds a hole, cuts it up, and we get 15 yards there or whatever. Beautiful. Honorable mention. Gotta love Sir Robert Thompson. Um, What was the question? What's your favorite Selena song? Favorite Selena song? Can you name one? Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb. Okay. <laughs> it's more of a dreaming of you guy. 
I, I feel like I would recognize him if I heard him again, but I probably couldn't name a bunch off the top of my head. Uh, all right. The the uh, dinosaur question was T-Rex, Raptor, Triceratops, and Stegosaurus. Give me. I'll start the Triceratops, bench the Stegosaurus, bench the Raptor, cut the Steg... No. Bench the Stegosaurus, cut the Raptor... Or, sorry, process the Raptor, cut the T-Rex. I think the T-Rex is overrated. Tiny arms, man. Yeah. It should uh, not be the face of the dinosaur community, but like no. when most people think dinosaur, they think T-Rex, and that should not be the preeminent. It should, it should be the pterodactyl, stegosaurus, something like that. I would start the raptor, bench the triceratops. Mario says he will not stand for the Selena disrespect. Did we disrespect Selena? Well, just that we didn't put her in the, the Mount Rushmore. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked you her – your favorite Selena. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Bob Wills off and I'll add Selena to get – because they're both country, him and George Strait. Okay. So we don't need country overrepresented, even though it's Texas and, like, most people do think country music. Third and five, we're housing this, right? No, Felton isn't in the game. Maybe we get a first down and then he houses one. Yeah, we're down to the 16-yard line. That's Dejan. Do what? Just falling down, classic Sir Roderick, but it was Tejon. <laughs> that was a great play. Yeah, Turf Monster got him there. Yeah, it was uh, a good counter. I've got a schedules question. I want to I want to do some research on this one. So I'm gonna hold this one till next week. That was like a super delayed counter. I guess you'd call that more of a misdirection counter. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good play. See, like, Cliff had all this in the playbook. We had great run design. And we had formations, like heavy formations. You know, we're in the pistol with a fullback. We've got an H-back. We just didn't do it. That's the one. I saw Bowman do it behind the play. The DeMarcus Felton game. What a game, young man. (laughs) We're not going to give you the ball the rest of the season. (laughs) I don't get it. Have you got a fullback in there? Although, like, why is Oklahoma State playing that with five or six in the box when we've got this heavy formation and they know we're going to run it? Like, what are y'all doing? I have no idea. But, yeah, great game from DeMarcus Felton. Tony Jones. Tony Jones. He was pretty good off the edge. Yes, he was. That's all he did, though. Yeah, one trick point. He was pretty good at it. Yeah, He, he was a dog. He would, he would talk crap to other. I love that. Adrian Fry, what a what a grab. That was a sick interception. Okay, 41-17, four and a half minutes left. At this point, we know we're going to win. I think if I recall correctly as well, Dominic Panazzolo, great punter. Um, right after this, this is a late kickoff. I think 23 personnel did a special episode with – Dinger Derby's Keith Patrick often referenced on this show, and they were up to like 1 a.m. podcasting after this game. That makes sense. All right. That must have been a brutal era to – you and I got a little bit lucky. We we started in the summer of 2021, so we had a half a season of Wells. But then after that, it was all interesting. You know, it's coaching search. It's the McGuire mania. 
if you were podcasting about Texas Tech football in like 2017, 2018, 2019, just dog days, man. Brutal slog. I, I admire anybody who was grinding through those seasons. All right, start, bench, cut, Casino, a Bronx Tale, and Donnie Brasco. I don't know what any of those things are. Start, Casino, bench, Donnie Brasco, cut, a Bronx Tale. Those are movies. The next question, over under 0.5 of those movies Kyle has seen. <laughs> I hope everybody hammered the under. Yeah, hammered the under. Look at this stat. We were averaging 9.7 yards to go on third down in this game. How did we stay on the field? Yeah. Forty-one seventeen, man. This is this is the win of the Cliff era, would you say? Holiday Bowl. Holiday Bowl in this one. Yeah, I mean, like people will say Texas because of like the sentimental value, but they were never top fifteen when you beat them. Right. I think Arizona State was right. Around, I think Arizona State was thirteen. Oh, were they in Lubbock? No, no, no. Uh, in the Holiday Bowl. Oh, in the Holiday Bowl. Oh, yeah. They, they were Pac-12 runner-up. Like, they lost the Pac-12 championship game. They were a good 9-10 win team. Well, they didn't want to be there. No, no. Um, which Picador is most likely to be featured on message board geniuses? It'd have to be a Picador on a message board. I'm going to go with Gark um, only because I feel like he would make a joke that somebody would take literally. Yeah. And they'd be like, this Texas Tech fan thinks da-da-da-da, and like Gark would have been making a funny joke about it, but somebody reading it would have taken it seriously. Which, by the way, I, I hate to rain on the parade. You've seen the mediocre deal? It, it's a bit. Like, people on UT's message board say mediocre as a joke instead of mediocre. And so I know we want to dunk on them for academics and all that, but I think the original author of that that wound up on message board genius was – just doing a bit that's prevalent on their message board. Unfortunately. That's got to be prevalent because somebody said it first, right? Well, yeah, like it, it originated somewhere. Fair enough. Alan Bowman, 35 of 47, 398 yards. And we got a full house backfield. We got three running backs in the pistol with him. Which new Big 12 football program has the most to lose if their first season is disastrous, like three and nine or worse? I think Houston or Cincinnati. Oklahoma State? Oh, I thought it was new Big 12. Well, okay. You're right. So I was thinking newcomers only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because Houston, I feel like – they're viewing their ascent to the Big 12 as – and they should view it this way, that, like, we're now competitors and peers with Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, and so they want to outperform those three schools specifically so that they can get a leg up in recruiting the state and all that good stuff. So if they come in and they're viewed as, like, second tier compared to – TCU has been viewed as really good. Everybody thinks Tech is on the rise. Everybody thinks Aranda is one of the better coaches in the league. So if all three of them stay up and Houston comes in at four and eight – I think they kind of are at the risk of getting entrenched perception-wise as the lowest rung of in-state schools. And and same with Cincinnati. I don't know if they have the same kind of recruiting advantages that BYU and UCF have. 
And so if they start slow and don't make noise as a newcomer, I think they could they could be hurt by that. What about in the new the new Big Twelve, like not Texas or Oklahoma? I could be sold on Oklahoma State. Here's Sir Roderick Thompson just breaking tackles all over the place. Man, what great foreshadowing of his career this game was. And he didn't play again the rest of the year. Oh man. Yeah, they wanted to say two thousand he made me so mad. Between him and Henry, he was the better back, like by far. Yes. So redshirt Henry, but anyway. Um so of the new Big Twelve, I think you said Oklahoma State. I could agree with that for sure. Because that loses you Gundy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and same deal. You're you're recruiting for Texas or you're competing for Texas recruits. And so if again all of a sudden like TCU, Texas Tech are trending up while you're trending down and you're a four-star prospect in DFW, why would you go to Oklahoma State instead of one of those other two? And if you've got to start over with a new coach while TCU has it rolling with Dykes, Tech has it rolling with McGuire, Baylor has it rolling with Aranda, why would you go to – I mean, I guess new coaches always get a bump in recruiting, but I could see them kind of suffering at the expense of the Texas schools starting to do better. Uh, let's see. Who can swim down to the Titanic faster, the bear or Kyle? I could definitely swim down to the Titanic. I don't think it's actually that deep. Have you seen those graphics, Rob, about how deep the Titanic is? I have. I think it's like four times the Empire State Building. When we're talking depths of the ocean, putting it in terms of building size to me is not that impressive. Like buildings are relatively small in the grand scheme of how big the earth is and how deep the ocean is. Like, did you know, so imagine the surface of a cue ball and like running your finger around a cue ball, the surface of the earth, if you were able to like shrink the earth to the size of a cue ball, it's actually smoother than a literal cue ball with mountains and skyscrapers and all that. I've heard that. And so to say, like, well, it, it, that ship is down there four times the depth of the tallest building in the world. I'm like, well, buildings aren't that big. These, these are three rules I live my life by, Rob. I could beat a bear. By the pressure. I could beat up a bear. Buildings aren't that tall. And I could swim to the Titanic. You would be crushed. Most people would be crushed under pressure, but I'm built different. You'd be a diamond. Pressure makes diamonds. Uh, is the DFW Sports Golden Age starting? Is is the what? The DFW Sports Golden Age. No, I don't. I don't trust Mark Cuban. I trust Luka Doncic. I don't trust Mark Cuban. I don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Rangers might be onto something long term. But no, I don't. I don't trust, especially with some of the other in state. You've got. Giannis 2.0, but seven foot five and can shoot threes. Just got drafted by the Spurs, Wimby. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it that. The golden era or golden age, whatever you called it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, in honor of Grady Dick, what's the worst fit you've ever worn? 
Do you think he was going for like Dorothy shoes and no. that was an homage to his home state? I don't think so. I mean, if that's the case, that had know. to be it. You think so? There's no other justification for that fit. Yeah. I mean, somebody tweeted that Dorothy Dick, both from Kansas. He had to be going for that. Um, sorry, what did you ask me? Uh, what's the worst fit you've ever worn? Man, probably like anything I wore in middle school or in high school. Yeah, I was about to say, I used to wear like striped shirts and like plaid shorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had plaid shorts. Like orange and blue plaid is like the most hideous. Like, what are we doing here? And then like a green striped shirt. <laughs> yeah. Plaid gum, like graphic tees. Oh, you yeah. know, I had this and one shirt. It said, you know, it's like the and one logo. He's like crossing some guy over. And it said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Even your girlfriend's going to cheer for me. And then I had the and one logo. And I was wearing that to school like once a week. Have you seen the and one documentary? <laughs> no. It's so good, dude. It's so good. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, if you had to move to another country, where would it be and why? Probably Australia. I feel like I, I could find a similar climate. There's no language barrier. Culturally, cuisine, I bet is – I think that's the most comparable you could get to the United States. Or like, or Costa Rica. Like there's a couple of Central American countries where English is pretty prevalent. And as you know, hablo un poco espanol, but I would want to go somewhere where there's not a huge language barrier. So like, you know, people would say Italy or Spain, but that would be kind of tough. So I would go with like Costa Rica or Australia. I'd move like if this is like you're rich and you can all of a sudden move anywhere, I'd go somewhere down south of the border. If I had a if I had a translator, I would consider South Korea. I think that's a really good country. To move there? Yeah. Okay. The US dollar goes a long way there. Why do you say that? Well, maybe not in South Korea, but like in a lot of those little countries. I think South Korea is the United States of Asia. <laughs> what does that even mean? Well, just like culturally, I think they're, you know, free enterprise, democracy. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of the companies that are, are big here or big there. Fair enough. K-pop. We've got K-pop stands in the U.S. A lot of them, and I don't understand it. I don't, yeah. I'm not knocking it either. I just, I'm not familiar sure. with it. What's your favorite K-pop song? Um, I, Is BTS K-pop? Yeah. I like Boy With Love. That's the only song by them I know, I think. There's one about uh, Butter. Smooth like Yeah, butter. yeah. That's in like a commercial. You're right. Yeah, I, that one. I know that one. They were on SNL. There's too many of them, though. There's like eight yeah. guys in that band. I think five is tops for a boy band after five it's it's just noise you know i didn't know you had thoughts on boy band not just noise <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i've got thoughts on boy bands. too many harmonies yeah okay i could start bench process cut four of the five one direction guys if you want to could you name them all 
Probably. I mean, Harry Styles, that's the one everybody knows. Zayn Malik. Uh, Niall Horan. What was the other guy's name? I think one of the one of the better ones never really – his solo career never took off. What was his name? Those are the ones I could have named. The really ugly one, Louis Tomlinson. I shouldn't call him ugly. Some Louis Stan is going to get mad at me. What was the other guy? He was like probably the best singer out of the five of them. Uh, you are further ahead than I am, man. I could have given you Harry. Louis Niles, Zane, Harry. I'm blanking on this. I feel like I had it 30 seconds ago. I might could tell you the members of NSYNC. If you gave me multiple choice, I could nail this with 100% certainty. Liam. Did I not say? Okay, yeah. These British names like Niall and Liam, they're basically an anagram of one another. Yeah, somebody, somebody, uh, Slim Simp. Okay, yeah. Of course, the Simp would know the boy band names. (laughs) (laughs) So in sync, I know Lance Bass, Justin Timberlake. I think that's all I know from in sync. JC Chazé. Okay. Chris Kirkpatrick. And Joey Fatone. See, I kind of remember a couple of those now that you say them. One of them, I've, I've never heard of the guy. Yeah. Well, All right, do, do the Backstreet Boys now. I don't think I could. Uh, Nick Carter. Did, did he die? No, Aaron Carter died. Okay, like pretty recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. What's your favorite Aaron Carter song? Pour one out. House Party. Yeah, who else is... Uh... Andy. Who else is in Backstreet Boys? I, I, I can't name any of the other ones. I, I, was, one was, I think one of them was Brian. Brian Robinson. Kevin? Kevin Flarty. <laughs> so you know their last names. That's crazy. Um, I, I, that could be wrong. All right. Start, start Bench Cut, One Direction, Backstreet Boys, in sync. Start in sync, Bench Backstreet Boys. That was quick. No love for One Direction, huh? Well, I was 30. <laughs> I mean, that's way past my prime. Probably not that old, but they, they are past my prime. I uh, Oh, I was way wrong. Uh, Nick Carter, Kevin Richardson, AJ McLean, Brian Luttrell, and Howie Doro. <laughs> Howie. I don't remember any of those guys. Howie. Oh, you had Kevin and Brian. Man, who was a boy band that? <laughs> oh, what was that song? I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Who sang that? Was that like 98 Degrees? Chinese food makes me sick. No, that's LFO. <laughs> I need to brush up on my LFO. 90s and early 2000s boy bands. In the summer, in the summer. <laughs> no, uh, uh, 98 Degrees was. Uh, uh oh 98 degrees saying balamos <laughs> I don't know that song I feel you dancing balamos what a weird trend so like right as grunge music was fading out yeah. like we went from rock and roll to metal to grunge to boy band pop music like a weird transition as a society all right start bench cut um God must have spent a little more time on you. <laughs> Dirty pop. <laughs> and uh, no strings attached. I don't remember no strings attached. Is that it's going to be May? Yeah. 
I guess I'll bench that one, start pop, and cut whatever the other one was. God must have spent a little more time on you. Yeah, that's horrible. It's so bad. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. 12-year-old girls were like listening to that and just eating it up. And boy. They thought that was like the peak of songwriting. Oh, yeah. And Taylor Swift fans still think that songwriting like that is good. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired at the Swifties. <laughs> all right, we, that's, we're like halfway through this mailbag, so let's buckle down. Okay, all right, let's go. Um, start bench process cuts West Texas cities that have a D2 university Canyon, Odessa, San Angelo, Wichita Falls starting San Angelo by a mile yeah and I've got Canyon, Wichita Falls and Odessa are the other three mm-hmm. I'll go in that order bench, Canyon, process, Wichita Falls cut, Odessa right there with you uh, start bench cut these sports movies Sandlot, remember the Titans, Cool Runnings in that order Start Cool Runnings, bench the Sandlot. I just saw a comment from like 30 minutes ago. It's like two and a half miles. So that must have been when I was talking about swimming to the Titanic. Yeah. That ain't no problem. I mean, you could, sw- could you swim out two and a half miles? No, no way. But you could swim down. Maybe. If I had like propellers, like a jetpack, what do they have? <laughs> You would be crushed, dude. Just Stop. give me a two and a half mile long snorkel so okay. I can breathe the whole time. Piece of cake. Not an oxygen tank? Yeah, yeah. That's like part of the jetpack propeller thing. It's yeah. an oxygen tank that propels you down. You don't need to snorkel if you have an oxygen tank. I'll take both, you know, just in case. Okay. If one fails, you got a backup system. If you could live out any movie in real life, what would it be? Titanic. Um... I as, live what, as what character Billy Zane <laughs> I could live out any movie in real life what would it be man that's a good question do you have an answer no I'm trying to think of something that doesn't end poorly I was thinking, like, ooh, like a like an Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, that'd be fun. I like those big heist movies. Oh, yeah, it'd be super cool to be like James Bond in real life. Yeah, being you knowing that you're gonna win at the at the end. Yeah. I was thinking like Limitless with Bradley Cooper. Ooh, that's a good movie. Now, there's some ups and downs in that movie. Like it's not all great after he finds that drug that makes him capable of doing whatever. But would you take it? Um, I would take it probably once only to figure out an algorithm with which I could trade stocks and bet on sports in perpetuity with an edge and like have guaranteed income for the rest of my life. Smart. I would have to do a little more research on the movie. I would like to live out. Yeah. But something like a big heist would be fun. Like a, like a fast five. I love when you, this is a bit you do where you like make a joke and wait for the laugh. You're like waiting for me to react to it. Uh, you just, I was just saying a pop culture thing and you have no idea. what. Yeah, I just not along, you know, respectfully. Uh, start bench cut Frito pie, nachos and hot Cheetos with cheese. 
I've never had the hot Cheetos with cheese at a at a game. Yeah, that sounds a little bit disgusting. I'm starting Frito Pie. And what was the other option? Nachos. Yeah, bench nachos, cutting the Cheetos. That sounds a little bit. I'm assuming this is like at a ballpark. And so I would start Frito Pie as well. Yeah. Did you see Mr. Roots comment? He said, do you think Russell Wilson would take the limitless pill to make himself even more unlimited? Unlimited. Unlimited. Hot Cheetos with nacho cheese is fantastic. I, I have seen it around. They cut the bag and pour the cheese in there. I've just never had it. How many baseball-sized hail could Kyle hit in the middle of a storm with 60-mile-an-hour winds with rain coming down? Oh, I feel like I could bat 400 like Ted Williams. I could – with that much hail falling, you just swing the bat. I feel like you could make contact four out of ten. Without getting hurt? Oh, it would be incredibly painful. But... Yeah, you're wearing a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What rule, if any, would you take from Canadian football and put toward real football, I guess, is the question. Do you know? I am not familiar enough with the rule differences. I would take the wider field. But you'd have to re-equip every single stadium. I think the offenses have enough advantages right now. I would not want a wider field. More offense, baby. Hey, since I'm wearing this K-State hat, that reminds me, did you know when Darren Sproles was playing Pop Warner, they actually narrowed the field to make it fair? Do what? When Darren Sproles was playing Pop Warner, yeah. they narrowed the field because like, it was not fair for him to have the full width of the field. No, I did not know that. That's yeah. Oh, uh, another movie you want to live through, uh, Richie Rich. Somebody said Step Brothers. Kyle would not want to live through Step Brothers. <laughs> I already know that one. You and I are basically going to live that out this weekend. That's true. Are you excited for that? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I Like I said, I just went to my first Rangers game a couple weeks ago. Thought it was awesome. And so getting to go to a four-game series against the Lastros will be a lot of fun. Do we have bunk beds in the uh, in the guest room? I have clothes. I have, do you know what a trundle bed is? Yeah. So you and I could we could sleep next to each other on on two twin mattresses in my guest room, but that'd be that'd be kind of weird. I'm right. Since my wife lives in the house with me. No, I'm okay. We don't have to do that. Yeah, you can have the room to yourself. Thank you. Oh, uh, let's see. We're getting a little in the weeds here, guys. It's not the reply bag. <laughs> if the SEC and Big Ten end up forming a super league, and you have to pick a school to pull for, who is it and why? Texas Tech, because that's my alma mater. If Texas Tech is not involved in the Super League. We will be, but if we're not, kind of answered this on the, on the last pod, probably Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I actually have a few teams that I have like a random affinity for. Like I kind of like Florida State. I kind of like North Carolina. I kind of like Tennessee. So I, I don't know. Tennessee's a good one. If Arizona or Arizona State was in the Super League, I might do that. I don't know. Power rank your favorite potato chip flavors. Salt and vinegar is number one. Um, This isn't a potato chip, but spicy nacho Doritos would probably be my second favorite kind of chip. 
And then Pringles barbecue is pretty good. Mm. I like the hot one. So a little variety there. You got a, a standard Lay's potato chip, salt and vinegar, spicy nacho Dorito, and then a barbecue Pringle. For just going potato chip, jalapeno, the kettle kettle cooked, mesquite barbecue. Yeah. I used to hate salt and vinegar things, but I've really grown to love them too. I don't know what happened. Uh, did the Gaucho's YouTube account get suspended? I hope not. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, what's the most illegal thing you've ever done? Stream a YouTube video while recording a podcast, apparently. Uh, what was your favorite? This is Sports Center commercial. Man, I liked LT in the in the mail room with his dark visor, having trouble. I like Scott Van Pelt taking LeBron James's throne. That's a good one. Good luck finding your chair, LeBron. I like the machine, Albert Pujols talking to the copy machine. I like the Scott Van Pelt and Stuart Scott, the, the rip-away suits before they – go out onto the set with their actual suits. Yep. There was one with uh, CC Sabathia when he first got to the Yankees and, uh, you know, he was wearing like the pinstripes. And of course he was a big dude and it was some kind of bit. He was talking to Van Pelt about how like the, the pinstripes were slimming. They gave a slimming effect to Sabathia's figure. And so then like Van Pelt shows up with like horizontal pinstripes and they have him in like a fat suit or something. Cause he's like, twice as wide as he normally is. And it was something like, oh, yeah, he said the, the pinstripes would have a, a thinning effect or a slimming effect. What about so hip? There were some good ones. Hip, hip, Jorge. Hip, hip, Jorge, yeah. Jorge Posada. Before the Roethlisberger allegations, didn't he, like, carry everybody out of the building in a sports center commercial? Do you remember that one? I don't remember that one. There was also one. This is the best one. This was like the third summer in a row of Brett Favre retiring, not retiring, all that. And they had this like elaborate signal system. They had like a smoke signal and then a hand sign. And then like a pirate puts like a lantern in the windowsill. And after this chain of signals, you know, it finally gets to the sports center studio. And they're like, you know, is one lamp, does that mean retired or not retired? And like, they can't remember. And so then they just report whatever. That was a really funny one. The Steve Irwin and Florida Gator one. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, that's the mailbag. That was better. Final thoughts? I left our, our listeners with a call to action last time because the mailbag sucked, but that was a lot better. My final thought is that we are 2015 Texas Bowl champions. It's true. And of the last six – how do you word this? The last time that you've played six SEC or future SEC opponents, going back to Arkansas in 2015, LSU in 2015, now that they forfeited the Texas Bowl to us, you're 6-0 and against SEC and future SEC competition. And some people, Rob, if you obviously Photoshop a basketball banner yeah. for an eight-year-old bowl game that was forfeited, they will take that very seriously and argue with you for three days about 
SEC dominance and how nobody actually cares about the Texas Bowl. And it's like, have you never seen a meme or a joke before on this website we call Twitter? Apparently, some have not. You can't say future SEC because Texas and Oklahoma have beaten you since 2015. But the last time you played each of those schools, you beat Oh, I got you. I got you. So, yeah, Texas has beaten you a bunch of times since you beat Arkansas in 2015. You really umlanged that one. Yeah, I tried. I had to really kind of thread the needle there. Yeah, you got it. I, I could not believe how serious some people took that. Oh, yeah. They, they take everything serious. Uh, will Tech put any temporary seats in the south end zone? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, by the way, though, we should clear the air on this. Some people, I think, thought that that was supposed to be all done by this season. And so <laughs> they're seeing the construction camp. They're like, are they going to finish? Like, no. And that was never the game plan. No. I don't know what is going to be done. Maybe it'll just be under construction. I don't know if they'll have like a partition or something. But yeah, those seats are gone for this season. They're going to fill it in, of course, with a building and some load seating like you see in the north end zone. But that'll be for 2024. So it, um, Oregon, when they come to Lubbock and everybody else comes to Lubbock, is going to be changing in porta potties on the east side, basically. Now the field will be finished. A double wide. Yeah, you know, I'm curious on that, Rob, because we are owed a brand refresh from Commissioner Yormark. And that was supposed to be a couple of weeks ago. We haven't seen it yet. But if the logo changes, we're going to need to know what that looks like pretty quick here if they're going to put the new logo on the new turf. Yeah. So and, and some of the teams have already put the old logo on the new turf. But he said it wasn't going to be a new logo. Oh, he did? Yeah, he said no new logo, no new name change. Okay, I knew we weren't changing the name, but I thought maybe the well, – I wonder what that means in a brand refresh. I don't think it means anything. I, I, Are we changing the colors or, like, are we getting a slogan again, like one true champion? I guess. I mean, that's the only thing, right? Yeah, if you're not changing the logo. On the Rob Rose Show, we power rank some slogans we could use, but I don't remember them. Or if it's naming rights, that would be a brand refresh. You're not changing the name of the conference, but if it becomes the – Dr. Pepper Big 12 Conference, the FedEx Big 12 Conference, that would be a brand refresh. It and would I, be a good idea. This. Days. Right now, the Big 12's colors are like basically red and white. If you became the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Conference, I bet it would be that kind of crimson. I'm sure that would be part of the quote-unquote brand refresh. For the FedEx Big 12, you'd be orange. Orange and purple, yeah. And by the way, this might sound like pie in the sky, but that is one of Brett Yormark's signature achievements from his time in NASCAR at the time. So NASCAR, for people who don't know, their primary series has had different names over the years. It was Winston Cup, Nextel Cup, Sprint Cup. Now I think it's just Cup Series. Uh, but Yormark is the one who secured the naming rights to call it the Nextel Cup. Like he got some lucrative deal from Nextel to name it that for five years or whatever. And so he has literally named – he has secured naming rights for leagues before, and I think that that's a revenue stream that nobody else has taken advantage of in college athletics unless there's some kind of NCAA rule against it. I I think that that seems like the type of revenue stream that Brett Yormark would pursue. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of the brand refresh or maybe not. Makes sense to me. But, yeah, like I said, media days would also make sense as a time to unveil that. Somebody in Weatherford just won $8 million on the lotto. Man. Uh, Do you have any information on the new North End Jumbotron? 
Do they mean south? I think we're getting a new north end jumbotron as well. I don't think we are. I think I think the south is going to have two video screens, and they're both almost as big as the one in the north end zone. But I thought that one was staying put. I, thought, I could be wrong, though. I, new speakers, new jumbotron, and LED lights. See, I, I knew the I knew the new sound system was on the way, and I knew the LED lights, but I, I must have totally missed that we we're getting a new video screen. If that's the case, I can't believe YouTube struck us within twelve minutes. Yeah, for playing a video that's on YouTube. Like, how can you not? I guess is that like, well, we're not monetized on YouTube, so right. I don't know. Maybe that's like, but we should get a warning. Well, I guess we we'll have to do those on Twitch then. Yeah, we'll figure it out. If you want access, I think Twitch is still exclusive to our, our Patreon subscribers. Is that correct? It it uh, technically is. So. It, I think we're going to do this episode format a few more times this summer. Plenty of other reasons to join the Patreon. We're going to have some upcoming, we have kind of a vault of interviews in there, but we're going to have some upcoming returning production data that I think will be interesting for Texas Tech and the Big 12. And we'll stream some old games like this and reminisce as we record podcasts throughout the summer. So if you want access to the Twitch and the Discord server, all that good stuff, join us on Patreon. It's only $5 a month. Patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. It's a lot of fun. I got this note as well while we were recording. Uh, BYU is doing a week-long series of devotional chapels this week for joining the Big 12. Interesting. I wonder if we can tune into those. Sure we can. All right, we got to love the format there on the bottom, the comment. So we'll, try again. we'll see. I'll put this up uh, on Republic of Football. I said I wasn't at the top of the episode, but I think it went smooth enough that we could, uh, especially now that it's got struck from YouTube. Yeah, we might even do another one of these on Wednesday because I don't think we have – we don't have a Big 12 tour episode on Wednesday. We have one on Sunday. We are – Tentatively confirmed with Sam Kahn of The Athletic. He's a University of Houston alumnus. And so he's going to be previewing the Cougars with us. That's Texas Tech's second Big 12 game, I believe, on the schedule. So we were, we were trying to go in order, doing all the teams that we weren't playing this year, and then in order of the Big 12 schedule. Um, Oklahoma State threw that off because nobody from there wants to come on our podcast, apparently. So anyway, Houston's up next on Sunday, and then maybe we'll do another one of these on Wednesday. Hopefully we have some recruiting news or other stuff to talk about, but it'll be another hour 15, you know, condensed version of some game that was a fun win from the past 15 years or so. Ish. Ish. Yeah. All right. That's it for me, Kyle. All right. Same here. Love y'all.